On this edition of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast, we take a look back at 2020 in our year in review, and we lay out our game plan as we head into 2021. Welcome to episode 114 of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast. I'm Joe McFarland. It has been a year, hasn't it? Well, 2020 certainly didn't work out the way anyone could have guessed when January started, and we certainly are in that same boat. Right around now, we're usually doing stories on Baseball Alberta Award winners, maybe doing a quick season in review with just a few of the pros. But those things didn't happen. So we want to take advantage of this downtime, and we've decided to slow things down a bit ourselves. This is our season in review episode, but it'll also be our last for the next few weeks. We'll get to that and much more, so let's get right to it with our guest and ADS co-founder, Ian Wilson. Welcome back, my friend. Very glad to be back, Joe. How how are you doing today? Fantastic, my friend, although it does come with a bit of a bittersweet note, in which we will get to in just a little bit, but I want to start off talking about... 2020, we had some pretty big expectations heading into the year, to be honest. We were coming up with lists on who to watch player-wise. We were plotting out road trips to check out as much uh, WCBL action as we possibly could. We had thoughts on where we wanted to take ADS as a business, per se. We were dreaming big, let's be honest here. And then March happened, and I kind of want to start there. How are you going to remember 2020 from a baseball standpoint? Wow. Uh, how much, how much time do we have here? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, all our predictions came true, right? So that was, that that was a good starting, (laughs) starting point. Um, yeah, I mean, especially reflecting back to that, that period of time, you know, it just kind of, uh, you could kind of see it, you could see the, the COVID-19 and the pandemic kind of creeping a little bit up on us as, as events unfolded around the world. And then, you know, you started to see it in the, the college levels and, uh, you know, uh, games at first being postponed and then canceled. And then, it you know, it became pretty real pretty quickly once the major leagues uh, over that one or two day period when they started uh, just like shutting things down on mass. And uh, that was uh, that was a lot to deal with. I mean, first and foremost, at that point, I just remember feeling really bad for a lot of the uh student athletes that we um are in contact with mm-hmm. and that we support and cheer on and and you know we want to see them do well and you're kind of looking ahead to the, the draft and things like that and then all of a sudden you're like mm, what's what's happening now with their eligibility and their school year for this year and next year and all of those ramifications so definitely a huge you know just a huge sense of, of loss over that some of that we we did chronicle along the way and um, yeah. And then, you know, following suit suit on that was, was the, the WCBL season, which of course is uh, the big ticket in, uh, in Alberta and Saskatchewan for sure. When it comes to, uh, to baseball and, and you know, what, what the paying customer is going to go check out. So when that ultimately was canceled and um, full marks to them for how they handled it, I thought they waited basically as long as they could before they they pulled the plug that was yeah i mean it it was just kind of a a, really an emotional time in in a lot of ways because uh you know there's the realization hey i'm not going to be grabbing my camera and my tape recorder and going uh 
going to a ballpark and uh, I don't know when that's going to happen again and uh, when I'm going to get to enjoy, you know, not even just as someone who chronicles uh, some of those games, but just as a fan and someone who sits and enjoys it. Uh, so that was a big, big thing to, to kind of deal with. And uh, I, I remember kind of coming to coming to peace with that and just being like, well, you know, this, I, this is how it is, you know, this is a good time, I guess, to uh, uh, spend time with family and enjoy, you know, uh, enjoy my kids and, and spend lots of time with them. And then you look at Major League Baseball, I started getting excited about that when they, they you know, they rolled out a plan to, to go ahead with that. And I'm like, great, I can watch Mike Soroka every every five days, right? And just see, <laughs> see what he's going to do. And then, oh, like that. That, you know, Mike Soroka's injury, of course, we've, we've gotten to know Mike a little bit. And, of, mm-hmm. of course, we've been huge fans of what he's been able to do and, and, and achieve and really excited about the Braves season with good reason, as it as we saw. Uh, they, they had a really good good year. and But when he, when he suffered that uh, uh, season-ending injury, it, that just really was a kick in the gut. And I remember really being rather, <laughs> rather disillusioned for a few weeks about – about baseball and just like I really did get to a phase of oh whatever mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah yeah it's there is it September <laughs> yet <laughs> yeah 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 and then you know and then you had COVID early in that season the you had COVID cases the uh, cranking up we saw Miami like real I like at that point I thought they're not they're not going to get through this this mm-hmm. is this is going to be really really bad and you know, credit to Major League Baseball for pulling off a season. I think that is an achievement in, under all those circumstances. Um, and then a World Series that was, um, like, and a playoffs for that matter, that was incredibly eventful and uh, entertaining in a lot of ways. And, uh, you know, the World Series itself, I mean, that game four, you had the, the, the heroics of a, a unheralded, unknown player, like, mm-hmm. You know, flying in the outfield after this bizarre and just a uh, historic kind of kind of play in game four, and uh, and then the Snell decision, which just pitted gut feeling versus analytics uh, in that that final game, and Turner taking the field even though he's COVID uh, positive. So it was just kind of like, wow, there's a lot to to talk about and <laughs> and think and assess and. But it wasn't like a, I don't know, it just wasn't a really a great feeling by the end of it, which is is unfortunate because I do think, like I said, I think there is plenty of entertainment value. And, and, and I was thankful ultimately to be able to watch playoff baseball, watch a World Series. So, again, there was there's a lot to enjoy there, but uh, just all over the map. Yeah. <laughs> An emotional roller coaster. Unfortunately, that roller coaster was stuck inside of a phone booth. It's sort of how I've I've come to envision this. And and from an Alberta perspective and from what we do perspective, it was an interesting year because we'd gotten almost used to over the last couple of years 
focusing in on the stories of the athletes and some of their the big things that they're doing at the college level and what they might be bringing to the table here in Alberta and Saskatchewan over a couple of month period during the WCBL season and maybe some of the the high ranking kids that were drafted last year maybe getting a chance to play some minor league ball that didn't happen this year and so there's a, a lot of give and take that you and I had to kind of go through and and kind of assess and then realized at the end of the day that this is weirdly a bit of an opportunity for us to maybe check a few of those uh, things to do items off of our shopping list, so to speak, because all of a sudden we could focus in on some of those stories from 100 years ago or 50 years ago or 20 years ago that maybe we wouldn't have been able to get to because we were busy in the day-to-day coverage of what we were doing with WCBL and Baseball Alberta Awards, which is what we would be focusing in on now. Those kinds of stories have fallen by the wayside, and it's allowed us to focus in on some some pretty unique and interesting stories from yesteryear. Yeah, and I think that was that was one of the uh, you know good things about about this year. There was uh, just kind of that that passion uh, project element to, to to a lot of the stories we were able to do. Like uh, there were certain stories that I'd look at, and you know, basically I'd be like, "Do I want to do this?" And uh, if the answer was was no, uh, it was just very easy to dismiss things that were. I don't know, either of nominal interest to me or, you know, there just wasn't that compulsion that kind of comes along with, with the live baseball product. You kind of feel like you're trying to sync things up with, with the season as it unfolds. And and this time I was just uh, able to, to look at some of those stories. So look at Joe DiMaggio and Marilyn Monroe's time, time in Alberta. And that, that was a lot of fun, fun to do that one. And, and, you know, the 1988 Metasnap Blue Jays and, and Dean Linden camping out at the, the ballpark, like just a just a lot of fun to really take time and, and explore those stories, those historical pieces that I that I love to, to tear into. Do you have a favorite story that you've been able to cover over the last uh, 12 months or so? Yeah, I mean, the, the 88 Blue Jays is one that, uh, A, it, it got a lot of attention, but also... Uh, it really just was a lot of fun to research and look into. And for those unfamiliar with the uh, with the story, it uh, you know the the 1988 Medicine Hat Blue Jays of the Pioneer League were one of the worst teams in pro baseball history. They set a record for futility and most losses in a season. And uh, you know just to kind of go into the have a look at that train wreck was was <laughs> was a lot of fun. Like they. Uh, you know, the, the, the headline was it uh, on the team was on the story rather was uh, the best of times on the worst of teams. And uh, there really was kind of this uh, magical quality to the team. You know, as you've got a rookie GM uh, in Dean Linden, uh, who it was 19 years old when he was hired, like just like this wasn't the era where you know, younger managers were being hired to, to pro sports teams. Like this was very unusual that you guy have a guy who his experience was being two years removed from high school and doing promotions at a, uh, a hotel that was known for its strip club, <laughs> you know, <laughs> stepping into the, the GM chair of a, of a pro baseball team. So his even being there was, was kind of, 
interesting in its own right. And then to, to follow the team and you look at um, all the, I, I was going to say ups and downs, but downs, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> like they started the season with, I think it was a, a 16 game uh, losing streak or something like that. And that's when uh, Lyndon decided to, to camp out at the, the ballpark as a publicity stunt. And, you know, he's down there uh, avoiding sprinklers and, uh, you know, worried about tornado warnings and, uh, you know, birds kind of pecking at him and uh, all that, all that kind of fun stuff and, and capturing the attention of the media across North America, including uh, David Letterman's uh, show, which was interested in having him on and then, guess what? They win. So <laughs> the, the losing streak's over and he doesn't get to appear on Letterman anymore. And, you know, and then they found later they had uh, players on the team that were there illegally. And um, one of which, I don't think I actually mentioned this in the story, but the, the pitcher who snapped their, their losing streak to uh, to start the season was um, uh, was one of the illegal pitchers <laughs> that no they had. So yeah, so th- there are just so many elements of that. That was also the year that Bull Durham came out. And, you know, that's a beloved mm. uh, baseball movie. There was actually a tie-in. The, the guy who was supposed to be the GM uh, of the Jays, he, of the Blue Jays, uh, was was he, he was apparently not in the country legally either. And he had to go back to the States. Well, he ended up running the concessions in uh, for the Durham Bulls. Oh, uh, at the time this movie comes out. So there are all these just kind of interesting links and, and ties. and um, You know, Rocket Wheeler, who is the, the manager of the team, him, just, he, as you're reading through the files, you just see him uh, go through his own uh, crescendo of emotions and, and tactics to spur on his team to get a win. Like he realizes that you're trying to develop the talent, but those losses just after a while are just crushing, <laughs> crushing the team. <laughs> and just to see, you could just see it kind of, he's being positive at the beginning of the season. No, no, we're good. We're good. Like we're, Hey, we, uh, we've, I really like this. And I really like this. And then by the end of the season, it's like the, uh, one of the other coaches is like, I, you know, I think he's, he's, he's not good. Like, I don't think his health <laughs> is doing too well. He looks like he's going to have a, have a heart attack and like all these, these things and you know and rocket wheeler coincidentally ended up uh, being one of uh, mike soroka's coaches in the minors as well mm-hmm. so uh yeah just i just there's just so many facets to that particular story that i, I really did love that one and uh and yeah it was one of those ones where it was it was a long piece but it could have been a lot longer because you you do have to kind of keep it to to a manageable length kind of feels like that one should be a movie at some point down the line. I want to ask this part, though, and it comes back to the research pieces. How did you even happen upon that story to begin with, especially the camping out part? Uh, that's, a, that's a good question. I knew that the um, Jays had some historically bad seasons. Like, I knew they had a record, um, you know, the, the record for the worst Pioneer League season, which... Um, and then I, you know, so I basically, I kind of started out thinking, oh, I wonder if this is the very worst pro uh, baseball season that's been recorded, which, uh, which it wasn't, but it's like, it's, it's right there. It's mm-hmm. like top 10 or bottom 10, I guess, depending on how you look <laughs> at it. And uh, yeah, and then basically kind of as you, 
you pull one thread, you, you kind of discover a few more. And then, yeah, I think I just read the, there's a Times, LA Times piece about uh, Lyndon and, and his camp out. And it just kind of snowballed from there. And yeah, like I said, there are just so many, so many facets to that story. And, and even the, uh, the players who had come from Venezuela uh, and were there illegally, basically they just lied about their age, right? Like mm-hmm. they, they, wanted to be considered prospects they wanted to be you know they thought that was their only way in they were still pretty good players but you can't if you're 30 years old you're not you're not really gonna sign on anywhere right so um and of course that was pre 9-11 and pre-terrorist concerns where that you know that would be a bigger deal today uh concerns about having bad paperwork at the border and that kind of thing so Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it just, uh, but that, uh, that element of the story I didn't even really dive that much into. And, and of course we had, uh, Dean on the podcast as well. And, and he's super engaging guy and very fun to talk to. And, and, you know, he tells a good story as well. So that helps. One of the things that we were able to do as well, not just focusing on the teams, but also on some of the players, whether it was, you know, that inaugural 1985 Calgary Cannons team and having, uh, guys like Pat Casey and Darnell Coles and others on the podcast and eventually writing stories. But you also wrote stories on Devon White's time with uh, the Edmonton Trappers and Dante Bichette's time with the Edmonton Trappers. I mean, we were able to get into some of those stories as well, which is pretty fun to do as well. Yeah, it is. I mean, there, there's uh, we talk a lot about uh, the, the Pacific Coast League days and I, uh, I do, I confess, I get a little bit angry at people who are like oh i wish we had those days back and i I, i'm at that angry old man on the porch phase of like they're not coming back you just (laughs) just forget about that but i having said all that like i it's that idea that to just be incredibly thankful that that uh, that period of time and that that that's part of our history and that existed you know to have white and and bichette come through here and is just uh like we were we were lucky to have you know and that's just the tip of the iceberg uh there's a guy uh, named Tony Larusa who's kind of been in the headlines, uh, making mm-hmm. headlines <laughs> lately for all the wrong reasons. But he was uh, he was managing the first MLB team that we haven't done a story on this yet, but we've done some social media on it. But he was managing the White Sox when they became the first MLB team to play in Alberta. And uh, there's some some fun stories involving Larusa and his uh, his visits to Alberta as well. But uh, and a, a spoiler alert as well, we've got a, uh, a piece on a different trapper coming out uh, very soon uh, about uh, Fernando Valenzuela, Fernando Mania, mm-hmm. the, the Canadian edition. So working on that right now, I'm hoping to have that up uh, pretty soon. So so watch for that. And uh, th- that's an interesting one, too. That's another uh, character from our, our baseball history that uh, that has been fun to track down fascinating in that uh, you actually took the lead on the story, although I did a little bit of research on it because I was thinking about doing the exact same story a while back. And so I was reading up some of the, the newspaper articles from those days just to see how that three and three record over seven games and an ERA over seven, if memory serves me right, uh, how that all came to be. And apparently there's a there's a bit of a connection in that uh, more to Alberta in that it was the other Alberta team, the Calgary Cannons, that did a lot of damage to Fernando Valenzuela during his time here. Yeah, they loved seeing him. <laughs> they, they, they were really happy to uh, to have him visit. And uh, 
uh, you know, he uh, he did pitch against the Cannons uh, in Calgary as well. Uh, but they they did kind of light him up. Uh, Valenswell at that time, he wasn't. It's an interesting career arc because mm-hmm. he wasn't done. He wasn't at the end of the road. It wasn't. Uh, there's another Edmonton Trapper, Steve Rogers, a longtime uh, Montreal Expo, mm-hmm. who, uh, who he, in his final pro season, he came to Edmonton. He was recovering from a, a shoulder injury, and uh, the comeback ended ended there. He didn't he didn't make it out of that 1995 season or 85 season, sorry. And uh, you know, Valenzuela is, was was quite different. He um, and an inter- interesting cat too, because his English still wasn't, uh, despite all the time in the major leagues, wasn't great at that time. So you're not getting these stellar quotes or expressions of communication from him, at least in English at the time. So you know, he he just he definitely still had some talent. If you look. He, yes, he would get he would give up runs and he'd give up hits, but he wasn't necessarily issuing a lot of walks. He was still getting strikeouts at the time. Mm-hmm. So there was still enough there. And then I think it was 1996 with the, let's say the Padres, but uh, where he actually, I think he won 13 games in the majors. So, you know, a good five years after his time with the Trappers, he's there's still something there. He still had gas left in the tank and, um, you know, it's just a, it's just hard to, to bigger, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, but he was only 30 years old when he, you know, the Dodgers released him and he ended up coming to, uh, to Edmonton for a short time. So it's not like, it's not like age was, uh, was a factor and you no, know, he didn't really ever look like a, you know, peak physical specimen, but uh, that's, you know, pitching isn't all about, uh, you know, whether you got a boiler or not. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. speaking of stories that are coming around the bend, wanted to get into sort of where we're going from here as Alberta dugout stories because everybody's. I'm sure you're listening, going, "Okay, why is it that you guys are putting a year in review podcast together in the middle of November?" Well, Ian and I have come up with a bit of a battle plan, and it involves actually taking a little bit of time off. That's the beauty and the benefits, I suppose, of being a startup, uh, of being a, a slow journalism, so to speak, is we can kind of delegate and relegate things and kind of uh, all say, um, pick our own schedule. And one of the things that we didn't really get to do over the first three years is really take our foot off the gas. We really kind of went hard at it for a while. And 2020's taken a bit of a, a bit of a chunk out of us, to say the very least. I mean, from a personal level, and I can speak to my own side uh, in a little bit, but uh, you and I have texted back and forth constantly over the course of the last three years. And, and there came a point probably mid-last month where we said, maybe it's time to slow her down just a little bit. And so we're going to take the podcast and and put it on the shelf for six weeks, seven weeks or so. Wait until the new year to kind of ramp things back up again. Allows us to kind of get caught up on some of the administrative stuff and, and also to kind of catch up on life as well. And I wanted to get your side of things as far as maybe being able to take advantage of some some much-deserved time off. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it is a little bit bittersweet because I do love uh, the, the, the contributions that, that, that I, I make uh, in terms of stories and, and doing this podcast as well uh, and social media and all the stuff for, for Alberta Dugout Stories. I think it's been a lot of fun to do. I, I enjoy doing it, but, uh, you know, it's, 
you know, we, it, like you said, it's been a year. It's been, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's been, you know, it's been a year for, for the ages in, in so many ways. And like, not just in terms of, of baseball and sports and, uh, uh but just the, the world and life and, uh, and health and, and family. So there's been a lot of, uh, you know, I actually did watch, you know, I watched a lot of, sports i watched a lot of hockey and a lot of baseball when they were on because you know i actually was really appreciating them i you mm-hmm. know like for so long that you just kind of go along and you're you're you know it's always there the, the sports are always on in the background and then when when we did have the pause you know it actually did i was like whoa like mm-hmm. what, do I, what do i do now it's kind of like the weather went away right like what do i talk about now what a what do I do with my hands? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, it's just one of those things where you're kind of, you're a little bit lost in the, but when it fired back up again, I was like, well, I'm going to enjoy this. I'm mm-hmm. going to, I'm actually going to sit and watch. I'm not going to be on my phone while a lot of these games are on. I mean, I watched every game, but I did want to, you know, sit down and, and, and take it in as much as I wanted to. And uh, so I think that was kind of, there was, something broader going on there as well. I think, I hope a lot of people have kind of done the same amount of reflection in their own lives about uh, priorities and things that are, are important to them. And of course uh, I have young kids that are immensely important to me and I want to be present and there with them as much as I can. So I think that's a big part of, you know, us doing our own pause at this time of year. And of course it coincides nicely with the fact that there's no, you know, this is a kind of a dead time mm-hmm. of year in terms of baseball. You just look outside and see the snow. There's not going to be a lot going on in and around our areas uh, in terms of baseball happening and and just uh, baseball on TV either. So, you know, in, unless you're really looking to, to make a lot of work for yourself, it just seemed like a good time to be like, you know what, let's take the time that we need uh, to, to be with family, to focus on things that are important to us and and i should note as well there are some other baseball projects that we've got on the go that are Mm -hmm. not all alberta dugout stories so there i do want to take a little bit of time to focus on some of those uh projects as well so i'm not entirely stepping back from from baseball at this time either yeah, and, and from my standpoint, uh, a couple of big life-changing uh, things have happened over the last few months. Obviously, we took a little bit of a break uh, in the latter half of, of July for the birth of my son. Uh, so that was a, uh, an emotional high. And then a week later, I happened to be, uh, I don't want to call it an emotional low, but it was certainly a uh, stark contrast to that emotional high was uh, I lost my full-time job. And while it is uh, a little bit... It's been easier to swallow because I, it's not like I'm I'm strapped for cash or anything of that note. It's it's nice to be able to have that opportunity to I guess uh, kind of unwind. And and one of the things that I've been really lucky to have been able to do over the last little while is to focus in on uh, not just family life and be Mr. Mom, but also be able to focus a little bit more on dugout stories. That being said, uh, as anybody who's had a kid can attest, they take up a lot of your time especially in the sleep deprivation side of things. And so uh, it'll be nice to maybe catch up on that side of things. And, and as you mentioned, over the next six weeks, seven weeks or so, it gives us a chance to kind of 
catch up on things because I think we've allowed some things to maybe, uh, whether it be on the website, for example, with the sponsors and the partners side of things, to be able to kind of rekindle some of those relationships again, um, maybe to clean things up a little bit more on, on the website side of things, clean some things up on the social media side of things as well. Um, and as you mentioned, we've got our, our partnership with uh, the Western Canadian Baseball League, which we'll get into in a second. Um, to be able to kind of foster that relationship as well and make sure that we're we're doing everything we can to maximize that partnership as well. So there's a, a few different facets that I think over the next six or seven weeks we'll be able to kind of focus in on. And, and d- by no means does that mean, hey, we're not going to be visible on social media. I still will continue to schedule birthdays and all that kind of thing. And I have a few um, Q&As from past episodes of the podcast that I'd like to have on the website as well. Uh, I look at... Uh, our recent conversation with Jonah Arsenault, look at Caden Zeroni, look at Sean Adamanchuk. There's a few others that I didn't, I haven't been able to have the time to actually go and, and listen to them and type them out and transcribe them. Um, so I'll do that over the next six or seven weeks as well. And so it's, by, like I said, no, by no means is this going to be a, we are going black for the next six or seven weeks. It's just a matter of being able to kind of take a bit of a step back and be able to uh, enjoy a little bit more family time. That's great. And, and I think there's ebbs and flows too with our work as, you know, especially if I'm sure some of our followers have noticed uh, mm-hmm. <clears throat> some of the content that we're doing that it's not always, you know, this story coming out once a week or anything like that. It's been, you know, there's been gaps of 10 days, two weeks here and there, mm-hmm. or, you know, bursts of uh, a few stories within a, a few days. So it has been all over the, the map that way. And some of that's just reflects the, uh, this bizarre year that uh, that we're <laughs> engaging in, witnessing, avoiding, trying to take part in here and there. So, a little yeah, bit of everything. So, no, it, it, it really is. Yeah. So, I but I do think it's it's a good time to to recharge and and restock and and hopefully give uh, podcast listeners uh, some time to catch up. I know a lot of people that uh, that do get behind on the podcast as well. So hopefully they can catch up and and hear all the great work you've been doing as well, Joe. And obviously the other aspect of this is it allows us to maybe have an AGM, although it'll have to be by a Zoom instead of uh, our usual go to a neighborhood pub and uh, have a beer or two and and contemplate an AGM of sorts. But at the same time, uh, it does allow us to talk a little bit about 2021 and uh, as much as we can plan because Let's be honest here, the, the way that the pandemic has been going and the way it's been shifting and, and changing direction by the day, seemingly, instead of by the week or by the month, uh, it's hard to predict whether or not we're going to have a Western Canadian Baseball League season. It's hard to predict whether the, the Edmonton Riverhawks are going to make their debut uh, next season. It's hard to uh, hard to predict a lot of those things, but it does give us a little bit of an opportunity to maybe map out some of the, the things that we want to focus on should things return to quote-unquote normal at some point and and maybe pick a few storylines as well that we can focus in on i look at at 2021 and and the first thing that comes to mind is that'll be the 40th anniversary of the creation and debut of the edmonton trappers i mean we're going to uh, mark that anniversary we're going also i think mark the anniversary it'll be 100 years since the calgary broncos won their second straight western canada league championship although it came with uh, a, a less of an asterisk than uh, the the 1920 championship came with, which I wrote about. So there there'll be those opportunities as well. And so I'm curious from from your standpoint as you look ahead to 2021, 
What kinds of things do you think we're going to be focusing in on? What kinds of storylines do you think are going to be front and center should things return to quote unquote normal? I, I think I'm going to take my cues from this year and make uh, make no predictions <laughs> for 2021. I, you know, I'm not a glutton for punishment. So, uh, no, no, I think, you know, I think the big thing is going to be that we'll, we'll obviously be watching is is uh, the return the return of baseball at, at a lot of levels. Yeah. Uh, the Major League Baseball level, it'll be interesting to see what uh, kind of dates are, are put out and, and what the, the strategy is for for that. Obviously, MLB did get a successful um, baseball season completed and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't that bubble format that the NHL went through. So be keeping an eye on, on what the plans are for, for MLB. And also, you know, one of the things that is that I've, I like, I don't even know, I like I'm processing a lot of this, but I'm really fascinated by the, the minor leagues mm-hmm. uh, ch- changes and developments. And I like, I just don't really know where exactly that's going other than there will be less minor league baseball teams. We all know that. Uh, but I just, I'm really curious to see what the evolution uh, on a, on a bigger scale is going to be. I, I, you know, the Appalachian league just kind of converted to a, to a, a summer collegiate uh, model. And, uh, you know, we've got, we've got some changes on the horizon that are going to be fascinating. And, and, even as as we watch those, I'm not sure we'll be able to predict what some of the long-term fallout might be the wrong word, but the uh, developments or evolution will be from from those changes. But uh, I think on one level, as I was saying, uh, with, with regards to like AAA baseball, AA baseball, and people who want a return to that, I think we really need to recalibrate um, the baseball products that are in our backyard and and really be like, this is, you know, this is what a lot of the communities, uh, this isn't just a Canada thing anymore. Mm-hmm. A lot of the communities in the U.S. are really kind of getting the, the same caliber, the same product uh, in their neighborhoods and, and they're, they're taking it in. So I, I think that'll, that'll be interesting to see. And that as far as WCBL goes, uh, I really hope that we're, we're able to see uh, uh, the return of that, that, that league and that, uh, you know, just some kind of normalcy of, of, of that, uh, you know, of that season. It was, it was tough to, to lose that for a year. And, uh, you know, it's, I, I don't know that we want a, a repeat of that. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, they made the right decision, but it, like, we don't want to see a repeat of that in 2021. Uh, there's a curiosity factor with the, the West coast league, uh, Moving in, I will be fascinated to see what what they have to offer and how it uh, does compare to what we've seen in the WCBL. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> but as far as storylines and predictions, I, I yeah, I'm at a loss. Obviously, I should mention, of course, uh, Mike Soroka. We mm-hmm. really want to see him return to form and and just be able to be a part of that that great Braves uh, core and and see them back in the playoffs next year that that will definitely be one thing we're, we're rooting for and, and a lot of the uh, you know minor league players that we've become attached to and interested in uh, i'll be curious to see what their uh, journeys are like in the new year 
Yeah, absolutely. I was going to allude to guys like Matt Lloyd, like Eric Zabrowski, guys who were recently drafted, who uh, had gotten a minor league season under their belt. Uh, unfortunately, with Eric, obviously, with the Tommy John surgery, how that uh, recuperation was going to happen. And Leron Smith, there were so many different guys who had made some inroads. And so it's going to be curious to see. And, and from that standpoint is how does that trickle down with the, the contraction of minor league baseball? How does that affect, say, the Major League Baseball draft? Is it going to be 20 rounds from here on out instead of the 40 rounds? Is it going to be 10 rounds? And and what does that ripple effect look like for uh, Canadian products? And from that standpoint, how does that affect maybe even, I'd say, some of the, the academies we have here? And do they maybe recalibrate a little bit more to, to maybe sh- uh, shelter some of the expectations for those kids who think maybe I can be the next Matt Lloyd or Eric Sabrowski down the line? So there's some interesting side notes to all of it. And who knows what whether or not we're going to be able to uh, to fully embrace it all or fully uh, understand it all because let's be real we we're still in the midst of a pandemic and uh, last I checked I haven't played any slow pitch in a calendar year now and that's maybe the most disappointing part of it all because at least you and I had that weekly debrief that we could have post Rad News beers beers. Uh, yes. To be able to talk things over, we haven't had that in over a year now, so I, I I wouldn't mind having that again. Would you Would you agree with that? Absolutely, I I can't wait to see your first throw to first base <laughs> uh, coming out of the, uh, the the lockout. I don't know whatever you want to call lockdown. <laughs> uh, that <laughs> that would be. Uh, I'll pay money to see how how accurate that that throw is. But no, of course I missed uh, swinging the bat. I should. Oh, I, full marks to to my beautiful wife who bought uh, bought me a uh, batting tee and uh, and a net for the backyard for after the the pandemic hit. So I actually did uh, was able to take some cuts over the summer and get some some uh, some weak hacks in. Well, I'm <laughs> so, glad that but, you were able to do that because I was a little concerned because I was going to throw you under the bus if you're going to throw my ability to inability to throw to first base under the bus. I was going to throw your ability to pop up to first base uh, constantly under the bus as well. So yeah. at least you're getting some practice hacks in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, there's some things you can always count on. My uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, my inability to 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 hit squarely is one of them. But uh, getting back, if I could, for one second to the minor league thing, mm-hmm. one one thing I neglected to mention. And this isn't necessarily something that that is, uh, is super of interest to to Alberta or anything like that. But I'm very uh, fascinated to see what uh, what the pay scale is going to be like mm-hmm. in minor leagues. That's been a that was a huge issue of uh, over the last few years that have been developing just how how poorly a lot of minor league players have been been paid and basically kind of paying their own way to to chase the dream and are we going to see some meaningful changes there? Like if you do have your own family and you're, you're a ball player, are you going to be able to actually go and go and do the job? Like it's, it's going to be really fascinating to see, see what happens there. And then if, uh, if we're able to see, you know, minor leaguers paid uh, what I would consider more decent wages. 2020 you have been a year to be certain we're going to be glad to see you go uh, come December 31st and hopefully January 1st is a nice way of uh, turning the page on this thing Ian we're going to leave it there thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast and appreciate the time as as always and uh, looking forward to seeing what we've got up our sleeves coming up in 2021. 
Thanks, uh, Joe, again for having me. I do want to give a shout out to the scene uh, one more time, which is a, a local uh, arts and entertainment public publication in Calgary that that has been publishing uh, our stories here and there. Uh, so we really appreciate that support. Uh, and also just a big shout out to our, our sponsors and partners who just meant uh, meant so much to us. We, we just really appreciate the support that we do get and uh, look forward to, to working with more uh, organizations and, and people in, in the new year. Absolutely. And thanks again, Ian, for joining us. And as he mentioned, thanks to all of our sponsors, the Okotoks Dogs, Dogs Academy, the Western Canadian Baseball League, and Vauxhall Academy of Baseball for all they do in making what we do possible. And most importantly, thanks to all of you for listening, downloading, reading, and supporting Alberta Dugout Stories. It means the absolute world to us that you've been along for this ride, and we can't wait to keep bringing you fresh stories heading into 2021 and beyond. If you could do us a huge favor over the break, leave us a rating and review on your podcast provider of choice if possible. Those kinds of things help spread the word about ADS. We're available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. And make sure to subscribe if you haven't already, and that way you'll get the next episode whenever it's available. We'll also keep you updated on our schedule through Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Again, from the bottoms of our hearts, thank you all so very much for all of your support, no matter the platform of Alberta Dugout Stories. 